From Independence Hall, on the campus of the National Guard Professional Education Center, this is the Leadership Minutes. I'm Sergeant First Class Jim Houston. Today's guest is the Adjutant General of the Alabama National Guard, Major General Cheryl Gordon. Here's your host, Commander of the National Guard Professional Education Center, Colonel Leland Blanchard. I'd like to welcome everyone to today's podcast uh, here uh, at the Professional Education Center. We are honored to have uh, Major General Gordon, the Adjutant General of the great state of Alabama. Ma'am, we are really happy to have you here with us. Uh, I'd, I'd like to ask you just tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us what, for our viewers, particularly those young folks out there that that uh, that have just come into the Army National Guard mm-hmm. and they, they hear tag, tag, tag. Mm-hmm. What do you really do? Um, What I really do is try to make life better for them, to make sure they have all the opportunities to get their training, the education, uh, to be a better soldier, to be a better airman, uh, and make sure that I take care of them and their families. That's what I do. And in the course of doing this, I have to deal with problems. Uh, Like any organization, and when you deal with 12,000 people, you're going to have a lot of problems. That's a small town, and we have all the town small town issues. That's a great way to look at it, ma'am. I have not heard it described that way. Uh, now, let me ask you. So, I know obviously we we've, we've known mm-hmm. each other a little bit, uh, but for our viewers, so I know that you weren't a an AGR coming up, right? right? So, you're a traditional guardsman. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you got from being a lieutenant to being the adjutant general, a little bit about maybe you just the path that you walked. Other than pure luck. <laughs> <laughs> Ma'am, I, I, I once had someone tell me, Blanchard, if you ever get promoted beyond captain, you can consider that pure luck. <laughs> um, I came from a military family. My daddy was in the Air Guard. My brother was in oh, the wow. Army Guard. Okay. And uh, I married an Alabama Guardsman whose father was an Army Guardsman. Oh, you've kept it in the family, haven't you? We wow. have. And so, um, you know, I, I had the, the upbringing and my brother being older than I kind of blazed the way and gave me some inspiration to do the things that, that he was able to do. Uh, he went through OCS and so I had to go through OCS. We're both graduates of the Alabama Military Academy, uh, as is my husband. So we kept all that in the family, and he was a commander. He actually made one star. So, of course, awesome. if my brother made one star, I had to make two star. Yeah, absolutely. And I made two stars the deputy tag. Uh, then I had a little break in service, and when Governor Ivey uh, took over as governor, kind of an out-of-cycle thing, I was contacted and asked if I would uh, interview for the job of adjutant general and you know that was kind of my dream job from uh, an M-Day perspective. That's amazing so that's a little bit different so with your dad being in and and your brother and your husband so let me ask you how did you and you so obviously you are a little bit more aware maybe than a lot of Mm -hmm. uh, those soldiers and airmen that are coming in and don't really know what's in front of them. How did you kind of prepare yourself because balancing a family, a career, uh, or 
guard duties, all the stuff that comes in to play. How did you kind of prepare yourself or how did you ba balance all that? Uh, balancing was hard. Uh, had a full-time job. I was a chemistry teacher in high school and then assistant principal. Uh, I think it helped tremendously that my husband was in the guard because he understood the demands and he's been extremely supportive. He's been my biggest cheerleader along the way. Uh, so we respected each other's private careers. Uh, I supported him in his private career and his military career. Uh, the fact that I would get advice, good advice, from my brother, and he kind of would tell me what to expect and, you know, maybe smooth out a few bumps along the way. Not that he ever came to Little Sister's defense, uh, because a lot of times, you know, because we had, initially I didn't get married until after I was in the guard, and so we had the same last names for a little while, and people, he would ask, people would ask him, hey, uh, do you know that other lieutenant by such and such a name? And he said, yeah, no, or why? And then he would wait <laughs> until he heard what they said before he would. Now that's dirty. Yeah. I would just say that's, that's not fair. Well, he's the big brother. Uh, then he would tell him, yeah, that's my sister. And then there were lots of times when people, after I married, people didn't know we were brother and sister. So we kept our personal relationship very distinct. And there were people who did not know that my husband and I were man and wife. So we worked very hard to keep our personal lives personal and maintain our professional uh, guardsmen. Uh, Ma'am, you, you touched on something that I think is key to long-term success in the Guard. And that's really about understanding and that communication. Now it's funny because I think literally every TV show that's on uh, that talks about whether it's successful marriage, whether it's successful career in business, it's really about that communication. Mm -hmm. What's interesting is that communication with your spouse as a, as a member of the Guard because although you, you had that shared experience and understanding of those mm -hmm. challenges, I have found that the importance of those young soldiers and airmen really bringing their, their spouse or their loved ones in and, and kind of explaining what they do, and then the importance of the leadership mm -hmm. and making sure that the family understands the role that they play uh, that that can make or break yes. that family decision, and so sh share a little bit again because you clearly, ma'am, you've been successful. <laughs> uh, what have you seen as some of those challenges, or do you have you what have you seen as as we've lost some people, or we, maybe we've had some successes mm -hmm. where we've retained those young people because of that good communication, or if, is there what are your thoughts on on that and the importance of the chain of command, your your mm -hmm. junior leaders making sure that the families understand they're important too. Well, as a leader at any level, you've got to know your soldiers and airmen. Not just what their duty is in the unit, but you've got to know them as a person, as an individual. And I try to make sure that I meet the families, that I know the spouses, that I know the children, what their children are doing. And I guess that comes from having been a teacher, I can retain that, that uh, kind of stuff. And 
being a female does make it a little easier for me to relate to the spouses because they will talk to me more than they would probably the male leadership. And that helps tremendously. And they need to know that we as leaders care about the family unit, not just that individual soldier and what the soldier can do for the organization, but also what the organization can do for the family in terms of the military education or the uh, educational benefits that we offer, the TRICARE that we offer, the different family programs that we offer, the youth programs, and they need to be integrated into that because the families, if we know if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. (laughs) And a lot of times those soldiers get out because the demands of the family. And the wife says, hey, you've missed too many anniversaries, you've missed too many birthday parties and everything, I can't do this anymore. But if you bring them into it and make them a part of what you do, I think that goes a long way in helping them understand your commitment. Because, you know, General Hokanson says we recruit soldiers and airmen, but we retain families. And you've got to make those family events You've got to make it happen and not just, you know, okay, we're having a family picnic and the lip service to it. Take that opportunity to get out there with your soldiers and get to know them. Ma'am, I think that is, it's, it's not only critical, but it's been interesting to watch over the last 26 years of my career, how, how things have changed. Mm -hmm. And I think it's more true today Mm -hmm. with, all the options with the social media. So so you almost feel, if you're a family member and you don't know what's going on, it almost feels like it's the, the, the gap is even further because yeah. there's so much information about things. Mm-hmm. And so that, that level of importance, and you touched on something that, ma'am, I didn't realize how low, uh, I had heard some statistics, I won't repeat them here because I don't remember the exact number, but, but the take rate and the utilization of the GI Bill uh-huh. and those benefits that our soldiers and airmen are missing out on. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's because when they need them, they don't necessarily know about them. Right. And it's that, again, the communication of mm-hmm. how leaders. So so can I ask you in Alabama, what, what are you doing to try to get that information? Because by the time someone's a major, they've mm-hmm. made it through mm-hmm. college or by the time someone's at a, a point in their life, then there's a gap, right? So they know about what I missed out on and, mm-hmm. and those things now about passing the GI Bill to your children, for example, but mm-hmm. that comes yeah. you know, a few more years down the road. What are what are you doing or how do you talk to your leaders? What are you trying to get them to do to make sure that information gets out? Well, we have several different levels where we do that. We've got the Educational Services Office that works with it. and. We have a program in Alabama that's called ANGAP, Alabama National Guard Educational Assistance Program, which is $10,000 in in tuition. And we've had to fight with, uh, in addition to the GI Bill and and whatever else. Uh, And we've had to fight with some of our colleges about applying it first as opposed to the GI Bill. And we use it as a big recruiting tool Uh, and we talk to the parents about that because mom and daddy are the ones who pay for college. This 17-year-old, he's not worried about how he's or she's going to pay for college because mom and daddy pay for everything. 
So you have to get that out. Uh, we send, you know, we use social media quite a bit. Uh, and then in all the armories and briefings and everything, uh, SRPs when we do things. So any way that we can get the word out to everyone, but with particularly our NGAP, uh, that is a big recruiting tool. So, so I, I can tell you, I, and I didn't know I'm, I'm not an mm -hmm. uh, Alabama guardsman, but I can tell you, ma'am, that I personally know three people who are going to the University of Alabama next year that uh, I'm going to, one of them, uh, their, their father works uh, for me here. I'm mm -hmm. going to go across the way and say, do you know about this program? Yeah. Because that, that is something that they're talking, well, we're, mm -hmm. our kids are potentially looking at the guard. And, mm hmm Think we might be able to get you three more guardsmen All here right. soon. So we'll see how that goes. I'm gonna shift gears a little bit. So I would ask you, uh, as we've gone through a crazy uh, last 12 to 16 yeah. months, what would you say uh, to those young soldiers and airmen who maybe they joined three years ago, mm. right? And and so three years ago, COVID, and and we didn't have the the, the response missions and mm -hmm. and the things that we were doing. What would you say to them, or or maybe even share? How has that impacted you and in, in what you're doing daily? COVID, and, and how what what words of wisdom would you share as they they look? Because hopefully this isn't forever. I hope not either. Um, Last year was, was a hard year. We asked a lot of our soldiers. Uh, I sent about 350 to the southwest border. I had uh, 340 MPs on orders to be the rapid response force uh, in the event of civil unrest east of the Mississippi. I also deployed some to Kenosha, Wisconsin, and then I've had uh, people working the COVID with our Alabama Department of Public Health, and now we're giving mobile, running mobile vaccination sites. Uh, some of it, you know, they're taking in stride. The thing that I have noticed most is the desire to serve the public, particularly my COVID teams and uh, my MPs. You know, MPs, that's what they train for. They're ready for it. And uh, when, you know, they went up to Wisconsin, came back, everything was great. Yeah, they were a little disappointed that they didn't get called out and sent to D.C. because I had 750 others who went. Right. And they're like, wait, that's our job. And they said, yeah, but we got to hold you in reserve. But I think that speaks to what you just said. Mm -hmm. They're committed to the community. They're committed to service. They're, mm -hmm. it, that's amazing. And and so I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but, but it, it strikes me. I think that's lost on folks sometimes. They want to do this. These young men and women, they are amazing. Yeah. They, they yeah. really are. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I remember when Governor Ivey uh, was was talking about, you know, people ask her, why do you why do you do this? I mean, this this is a hard thing. And uh, she said, well, to, to borrow a thing from Beethoven, it's uh, to the glory of God and for the betterment of mankind. And I think that's why we all do what we do. I, when you and I came into uniform years mm -hmm. ago, I tell people combat was kind of theory 
right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I joined and, and I was in the 82nd. I was a young specialist and a young sergeant. And I thought, man, I just cannot wait to, to jump into combat someday. Mm-hmm. What's different and why I say it's amazing to watch these young people, it's not theory for them. No. So anybody joining that's 18, 19, 20, there is no point in their their life that they don't remember a nation at war. They don't yeah. remember a time. There was no time in their life. Mm-hmm. And yet they still choose to wear the cloth mm-hmm. and the colors of their nation mm-hmm. and serve their communities. And you talked about the passion, getting out there and, and sure, we, we joined to, to maybe go overseas. And that's mm-hmm. our first thought, a lot of us. But the, the COVID vaccinations, that wasn't even a thing no. 18 months ago. But mm-hmm. for them to step up, Describe how you describe the pride. Again, we've talked before. I, mm-hmm. I know when you talk about, you glow when you talk about your soldiers and your airmen because you see mm-hmm. the impact that they have. Yes. And share a little bit about, as you're out visiting your your soldiers and your airmen, what you see and the pride you, you're taking out of that. The, the way they perform their duties, the professionalism. And one of the things we all know about the Guard is we have other skills, our civilian skills that we bring. And with that comes the ability to think outside the box. And that's one of the big things that I try to talk to all my soldiers about. Hey, just because we've always done it this way doesn't mean that's the right way to do it. And I encourage them to be innovative, to say, okay, why are we, because I ask them, why are we doing it this way? And they know when they, they get the answer, if I get the answer, well, that's the way we've always done it. Okay, well, we're going to look at some different ways. That's to, the wrong answer. <laughs> yeah, that's the wrong answer. We're going to look at some different ways because it's constantly changing of how we do things. And, you know, society's constantly changing, so you have to respond to it differently. But going out and talking to the soldiers and letting them know what an impact they're making in their communities, because, you know, we deal with tornadoes and hurricanes and floods and an occasional ice storm. And, you know, they never hesitate to answer the call to help their neighbors and to help the state of Alabama. And that's what makes me so proud about them because, you know, the guard, our motto is always ready, always there. And so are my soldiers and airmen. It, it's amazing. I, I, I'm personally so, so proud that my 16 year old son talks to me about, hey dad, next year between my junior and senior year, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to basic training and I'm gonna Correct. be in the guard. Although now maybe it's gonna be the Alabama guard because <laughs> uh, as a parent, but mm-hmm. I, I'm just, I'm always blown away. And so I take every opportunity to tell, uh, you know, my, my fellow soldiers uh, and airmen, uh, you know, just as a, as a husband, as a mm-hmm. father, as a member of the community, so grateful that they're willing to do this because, uh, you know, after 20, for me, 26 years in uniform, I believe that we have some phenomenal people in our country, our nation, we do. as many challenges as we may have at times, we have phenomenal people. And I, I believe our army, our national guard is mm-hmm. in great hands for the mm-hmm. future. Mm-hmm. Uh, ma'am, I, I, I would, I would ask you, uh, two, two last things. I like to ask, looking back, what if you could go back in time and talk to yourself the night before you take uh, company command, 
What advice would you give yourself now that you've been able to live that experience? Mm -hmm. I think it would be, you don't have to have all the answers. That is powerful for a leader. But you need to know where to go to find the answers. And you're not going to have all the answers. That's You're talking about humility. Humil yeah. Humility as a leader. Mm -hmm. Being humble enough to, to seek out. That's mm -hmm. Yeah. You, you aren't going to know everything. That's why you surround yourself with people, with yeah. those experts. And don't, don't be afraid to ask questions. Find out who the right people are and trust them. That's right. right. Wow. That's... Uh, pretty powerful ma'am uh, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share you, this uh, you know you're some of your soldiers and airmen will have a chance to, to see this but really it's about those young people that across the force that may say hey uh, I, I appreciate those thoughts you have any thoughts final thoughts you'd like to share with everyone I just appreciate all of them who have made the commitment to join the National Guard, whatever state it might be, because whether they realize it or not, it is one of the greatest organizations that's out there of which they can be a part in the benefits that they will receive, not only in terms of the monetary, you know, the paycheck, the, the insurance, the retirement check, uh, educational benefits, but take advantage of all those but the relationships that you build within the guard are relationships that will stay with you for your life. Yes, and that's one of the greatest things. Absolutely. I, I tell you, you, you are spot on. We are a people business mm -hmm. and those connections are, are lifelong. Ma'am, thank you so much for being here today and spending a little bit of time with us. So grateful. Uh, Again, it's it's powerful because there's so many levels between us and, yeah. and our, our newest and most junior soldiers who mm -hmm. who are hungry for, for that knowledge and that insight. So thank you very much uh, for being here with us today.